0: Hello and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. Today we will be discussing the 40th anniversary of Star Trek The Motion Picture. We will be discussing the
1: 25th anniversary
0: anniversary of Star Trek Generations and the 10th anniversary of Star Trek The J.J. Abrams.
1: And also the Short Trek.
0: And also the Short
1: Trek Ask Ask Not. Not. But. Before we do that... Before we do that... I know there's something you would like yeah, so to discuss. You are anxious to discuss. Anxious to discuss this, yeah. because
0: it was such a pleasant surprise when I opened... When I cracked open last week's issue with The New Yorker.
1: The New Yorker.
0: And I saw an article, personal history, mm-hmm. called The Final Frontier. Someone here started, started I started reading it before I saw who wrote it. Talking about Spock yep. and the death of his father, or, or his father being in hospice. Mm-hmm. And, lo and behold, it was written by Michael Chebon. and it's, uh, Michael
1: Chebon, by the way, is, he wrote the Short Trek Q&A, which yes. is where Spock and Number One are stuck on the turbo lift, and he is the head writer...
0: And showrunner.
1: Showrunner on yes. the upcoming Star Trek Picard, which comes out two months to this day.
0: Yes. So, um... It's really interesting because... And
1: you were very excited. You were, like, forcing this article on me. I was forcing
0: it because here's the thing. He gets yep. into the... He was writing that episode, mm-hmm. Turbo Lift the episode, um, at his father's bedside while his father was dying. Mm-hmm. And in this personal history, he talks about his connection to Star Trek, uh, his dad's connection to Star Trek, yep. and writing the episode, uh, Turbolift episode. Mm-hmm. And he gets into something very interesting that he wanted to do something very specific with that episode, is he wanted to bridge a gap in Star Trek storyline as he saw it for the fact that when we see Spock with Pike, he's a very different character than the Spock we meet with Kirk. Yes. Particularly when he sees the singing plant Mm -hmm. on Talos IV. Yeah. So... He felt it was so different that he wanted an in-universe explanation. He felt that this Turbolift conversation between Number One and Spock was going to provide that.
1: We kind of, I think, when we reviewed that episode, made a connection like that. I know that I definitely, in discussing it on various forums and everything, um, that it seems to me that the Spock that we later know and love seemed to be born in that moment. Like It seemed like the the sort of thing I took away from that was number one had an extremely influential impact on Spock. She was sort of the one who played a key role in helping him become who he eventually became. So I think in watching that episode, I definitely got that sense that the Spock that we come to know was sort of born that day.
0: Yes. Um, the thing that I was most impressed with mm-hmm. is just the fact that this writer is thinking deeply about Star Trek. Yep. Very deeply about Star Trek mm-hmm. in a way that I think we've felt maybe wasn't happening.
1: Well, I think he's thinking of it... It's refreshing in a way because I think he's thinking of it... If that if that episode and this sort of attitude of his is any indication... He's thinking of it purely as a character piece, which I don't want to say is not the case on, say, Discovery, but I don't think it's as apparent on Discovery.
0: Yes, I don't think... Yes, I think that seeing that if a character is different from one moment to the next, there needs to be some explanation as to why. It's a good impulse in a
1: writer. Well, there was the thing that I was reading... um, no, I wasn't reading, I was watching it on YouTube. And they were talking about Discovery, and I'm not trying to shit on Discovery in any way, but um I think you may have watched it too. this may sound familiar, it was called it was called Unearned Emotional Moments, where like Discovery had this overabundance of emotional moments with characters, but it doesn't feel like it was earned yet because yeah. and I think it's because we haven't spent a whole lot of time with the characters fully. Like
0: the death of Detmer.
1: Death No, not Detmer, um Ariam. Oh, thank you. Arion. Well, and Michael has like a breakdown in every single episode, and it's like, you know, well, at least we know Michael. We know Michael, but, but the I was watching that episode the other day, yesterday actually, the death of Arian and um, yeah, I'm still angry about it because it was just a bummer. And particularly, it was the, a bummer because we didn't know who, right? We, she was there in the background, and we're like, oh, tell, we want to know, we tell want, us more, tell be, us more. If
0: you go back and listen to all our episodes, which I hope you all do. Yeah. We talk about her and that character a lot and how we're all very intrigued. We were very right.
1: intrigued. And then we were finally getting an episode on her and we're like, oh, great. And then, and then she died.
0: And then that, and then just realized, oh, this is the oldest writer's trope in the book. You introduce a character.
1: Just because so remember, die. the episode before that, she got hacked. And we were like, and I thought to myself, like, oh, my God, now she now she's going to be important in this whole yeah. storyline. No. 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 She really. was important to move it the plot ahead just a tiny bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the thing also that I liked and it's clear that Chabon's doing is he's thinking of Star Trek as a whole.
1: Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, he's not being, like, centered on just this one piece that he's in charge of. He's taking into... He's taking into effect the entire world as it was. Yes. Yeah.
0: And looking at, like, the long arc of Star Trek. Right. And I recommend that everyone read this. He, a, it's very touching because it's about a relationship with the father and yep. as many people's relationship with their parents are... Not simple or easy, and he yep. talks about how he doesn't have all that much of a relationship with his father. But one mm. thing that they connected over was
1: Star Trek. Well, it's in the New Yorker, and you can read it online as well. Yes, right? which we will link, which I will link on the uh, on Twitter at some point. Yes, yeah. But what I'm
0: really impressed with is in this: in talking about the death of his father, he gets into not only the um, sort of the canon of the storylines, he gets into the behind the scenes and talks yep. about. So he talks about behind the scenes. He talks about what's going on camera and the stories. He interprets it, applies the lessons of Star Trek to real life. And it's just someone that knows and loves Star Trek. And I think when we get to Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams, right? Famously, J.J. Abrams said, I don't really even like Star Trek. So, well, you know.
1: Well, you had told me in reading this, because you had read this before me, and you were like, again, you were like forcing it on me, right? Yeah. You, the thing that intrigued me about it was, and it wasn't, not to say that I wasn't going to read it anyway, but you were like, I really think Picard is in good hands. Because you had sort of spoken before this, you were like, oh, I don't know, like, I don't know, just given how season two of Discovery went down, you were like, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I have too much hope and stuff, but.
0: I feel like this isn't such a. And I
1: think you were afraid that Picard may have, may, was going to fall into that.
0: Yeah, I was afraid that we were going to just get a showrunner. You know, like a showrunner that has
1: yeah.
0: done a successful show. Like, they ran the 100 for two years, so they clearly know how to run a show. Right. And then it would we would just get another TV show that right. happened to have Picard in it. Right. But knowing that a I... head writer, showrunner, has this deep love mm-hmm. of Trek that it's connected with the death of his father, I mean, yep. this is... A, sounds like this is going to be a dream come true of having such a fan.
1: Yeah, it'll be, but... I think... And it all sounds great. Um, I think the most important thing that I'll be looking out for is just... And I've got, I've not gotten any indication that this worry is going to be the case, but ensuring that this is going to be taking the character in a totally new direction. Like, I think Patrick Stewart made a good point when he said, I didn't want to come back and just do, like, TNG Season 8. Or TNG 2, 2.0 or something like that. So, um... Yeah, it'll be. Uh, I'm. Yeah, I'm hopeful too. Um. I. The Q and A short trek. I like. I was reading some negative reviews about it, and I was thinking to myself, like, I don't get why this. I'm like, it's. It's just. It's strictly. It's a character piece. That's all it is. Right. Uh, and that's what we need.
0: I. I agree. Yeah. Maybe some people. don't Yes, want
1: not a it. lot happened, but it's a character But it's In a character a piece. A short. Track. It's a short, right.
0: If anyone's watching now. No,
1: if you're talking like a full 43-minute episode, I'm like, okay, well. Well,
0: there are both, I mean, come on. Bottle episodes are great.
1: They are great, but this is like less than a bottle, for God's sakes. This is like a cup.
0: Yeah, well, um, don't forget the um, the lost well, no, no. shuttle in Enterprise. That they was Halloween
1: episode. But see, they would do that, but there would also be like a B story they would cut to. Right? So I don't
0: think the the shuttle one did.
1: Yeah, they did. They did? Okay. They did, yeah. Oh, people were
0: looking for them, right? So where did they go? Yeah.
1: Well, okay. they totally destroyed the illusion of it right away because, like, after the first commercial break, it cuts over to Enterprise. and You're like, oh, well, they're fine. That was dumb. Yeah, was I mean,
0: that was probably granted, a studio
1: note. Granted, like the view, I mean, viewers are not stupid. They're not gonna be like, well, <laughs> clearly the Enterprise is not destroyed, yeah, but it would have been cool to at least like maintain that a little, maintain little, bit. That a little bit. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. Um,
1: that's Shuttlepod One, season one of Enterprise, by the way. Yes, often regarded as the best episode of the series. I could see that. Yeah. So or yeah, both yeah. episodes
0: are great. So listen, now I, my day job, I am a teacher of writing, composition, mm-hmm. and history and other stuff. So let me let me the the indulgence of reading an excerpt, if you would.
1: Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> you gotta find this right. excerpt. So they're <laughs>
0: talking about the episode uh, "Devil in the Dark" and how. Um, His father ranked it in his top five, but he did not. But he's acknowledging its greatness.
1: Yep. Mm -mm
0: -mm -mm. The episode rises above the banality of a premise as old as Grendel and some creature effects that are truly risable. Even to a 10-year-old in 1973, the homicidal Horda looked like an ambulatory slice of Stouffer's French bread pizza. Yep. By making an honest effort to imagine non organic life, and then, in the characteristic turn that gives the Star Trek franchise its enduring beauty and power, by insisting that yep. fear and prejudice were no match for mm-hmm. curiosity and an open mind, that where there was consciousness, there could be communication, <clears throat> and that even a rock, if sentient, had the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It was, in its way, a near-perfect example of what had drawn my father and me and fans around the world yep. to Star Trek and its successor shows for more than 50 years.
1: He is basically... I mean, he's illustrating what makes the... not, I would say mostly the original show so enduring, because, again, I've always been convinced that if that show were made maybe 10 years later, or if they had more budget back then and were able to pull off, say, better special effects than what they had... character development may have I don't want to say wouldn't have gone away but I feel like it may have been sidestepped a little bit that's what they were that's what they were focused on doing
0: and idea development
1: and idea development like that one
0: you have this you can make a crappy monster thing, but what do you do with it well you find out that you're going to communicate with it you're going to find out what it's all about and I think if you think about that one of the things that we've talked about is we kind of miss when Trek deals with these big ideas like yep. measure of a man it's, mm-hmm. so it's similar to that yep. sort of like what is the nature of life and consciousness and right. existence and to someone that will is saying directly like that is what makes Star Trek great well, that's why it works
1: and we're going to get into it but that's actually why I think the motion picture works well me too um, but no I mean that's so I have a my friend um, Matt he's a he's a developing Trekkie He's get like he hasn't seen everything, but he enjoys it. He hasn't seen everything. He doesn't go out of his way to watch it, but he does like it, and he tries to, and he he watches it on occasion when he can't, right? So and he always comes to me. He's like, I want to watch it. What should I watch? Should... And so I, in earnest, a couple of years ago, said to him, watch the original series. And in the in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, like, I hope that the show isn't going to be difficult for him to get into right? But Matt's the person like me. He likes a good story. You know, him and I play a lot of the same video games. We played an online game together for a long time. He's really into good storytelling. And despite the fact that he was watching the original series, the remastered one, where a lot of the effects were either, you know, fixed or redone, hmm. you know, any original series fan can, I can at least agree. Yes, there are some very campy moments on that show. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're you not going to get a lot. Right. And it, I was afraid that he was going to have difficulty getting into it, but um, at no point, like, did he... Was he, like... I mean, he laughed at some of the clichés, but, like, there were things that we, you know, would have normally laughed at, too. But at no point did he say, like, my God, this is really dated, or, like... You know, I... He watched, uh, for instance, the episode The Corbomite Maneuver, which is, you know, uh, my favorite episode, and I remember when he was done watching it, he was like, like, wow, that was just really really good he's like and he said to me after watching i think he watched the entire first season but about halfway into the season he always told me he said when i get through watching an episode i feel like i just watched like a really amazing story he's like i just feel really like the sense you get like after you had a really good meal
0: yeah is the yeah. way he
1: put it and I'm Or i like, like
0: yeah it's like an episode of twilight zone or something where, where
1: it's yeah it's
0: not gonna waste your time like, right it's gonna get you in it's gonna tell you an interesting story, right? And it's gonna get you up, right? And it's gonna make you think somewhere. Not all, but the best of it,
1: right? And I think that's. And I think from a storytelling format, I miss that because, you know, I'm I'm very rapidly losing patience with this whole seasonal arc
0: Me too. thing
1: that TV shows do, and I was really glad to hear that. I, again, I'm not, I know I'm, I know I'm going down the Pike series trail here, but Anson Mount. And actually, you'll appreciate this, because this is what we had said we wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. He said, if that show were to come about, he goes, I would really want it to be self-contained stories. He goes, you know, the occasional, like, you know, two episodes, three episodes are great. Yes. But he goes, I would much prefer, like,
0: yes, like original series, a
1: single yes. storyline. Yeah.
0: The way they would do it was brilliant, because they would bring in the antagonist yeah. that would represent some idea or philosophy mm-hmm. or something that they had to deal with even as stupid as the half black half white people right right we're like oh we're gonna deal
1: with well trek sometimes segregation sometimes sometimes no trek least. was very on the nose but yeah you know. but even so <laughs> yeah
0: it's commendable right to do that
1: it's more about the idea behind it than the intention yes
0: yeah. yes yeah. and i mean that's well the just, execution i should say yes yeah it's it's just such a great way to tell stories because you know that idea might not grab you but next time you're going to get a totally different idea they're going to deal with it in a totally different way
1: right and a lot of shows from the time did that i mean i know that sometimes trek gets credited for being the first i don't think it was the first but i definitely think it's one of the first i mean the twilight zone obviously is a big one and um i'm sure the other shows around it that were similar to the twilight zone right um i'm blanking on what they were called but something like that it was a similar. yeah similar thing but yeah
0: yeah and i think the, the biggest reason i think it gets a lot of the credit is just because it was
1: the most of the sci-fi
0: shows before it were such garbage right they were just total right. quote-unquote adventure but it was
1: right. just garbage well you know and the thing is every i will say this every trek series does uphold that tradition some i will say and i'm not pointing to any particular one do it less than the other ones do but they still they still have done it i mean
0: i made some goofy episodes that don't work
1: no, no, like have not done an episode that's more about like either being focused on a issue of today or like doing the tradition, the traditional Trek storytelling where they're telling a oh, yeah. a moral story, and you know, you and I obviously got really excited when Discovery did it with New Eden because we were like, oh my god, finally, like, yes. yes, yeah, and we want to see more of that. So, and I'm hoping we will get more of that. But um,
0: yes, and even when they deep, had a, a, like, a, they could have done something when they were doing Control about. Yeah. How much of our, you know, yeah. how much of our society should we turn over to right. machines? But they didn't. It just no, and that was, been a... was more like, we have an enemy, we have to fight it, now right. we beat it, now we're running away to the future.
1: And even though it's the Dominion War is more the association with DS9, I think a lot of people may forget or not realize that DS9 was doing that at least in the first few seasons before the Dominion War began. Oh were, yeah, you know, yeah I mean, the religious... Religious government. And, and imperialism, and
0: again, they had been just decolonized, it was great.
1: I still talk about the episode Past Tense as being the best episode, and I and I say that now because you begin to see... Because back then, it may not have been as apparent, but especially now, I mean, that episode I think rings more true today than it did back when it Which first one? aired in Past Tense. Ah, uh, yes. When they get thrown back in time to the year 2024 and they get put into a homeless mm-hmm. shelter and... Yeah. You know, at that, at that point is, in American it's history,
0: yeah, it's, it's
1: separation, yeah. and I just think that, especially with the way things are going now, you know, mostly politically, that episode rings more true now than it did oh,
0: yeah.
1: than it did then. I think back then it was more like of just an idea, but now, yeah. like we're we're sort of seeing not that exactly, but we're seeing like a version of that yeah. happening. I think now. Yeah,
0: at the time it was probably just a comment on the fact that there are neighborhoods and areas of cities that are poor and they went well, that next step like we're actually going to enforce it and lock
1: well the and in. i think what trek was doing back then was also like this isn't a problem that's happening but if we continue on this path this may
0: as the best sci-fi always does.
1: this may happen um and i think the reason why past tense to me is so good now is because i just think that it hits close to home now as yeah, opposed totally. to the way it wasn't when it first aired i think in those third season so like yeah like 1995 yeah back then so yeah, yeah.
0: And one final note on Chirban is that, as you said about the fear of Picard going off and being this totally other thing, yeah. I think if he applies that same idea of looking at it as a whole, yep. I think we're gonna get, at, at minimum, any big changes are gonna be explained with moments that, right. So it'll be all, all very understandable to me. I don't think he's just gonna they're gonna have a character act totally differently without any.
1: I think progression. the way you're describing it too, I feel like it's gonna be a show that's gonna have. Layers to it, so it could be at a point where like I watch the first episode and then after I give it some thought, I'll be like, oh, maybe, oh, now I'm noticing this or noticing that. Like it's gonna have the more I watch it, the more I give it some thought, I'm gonna start noticing other things about it that I appreciate. Mm. That's my hope, anyway. And then who knows? I mean, we're at a point now where all these shows now that do a season a season long arc, it's like I say this with the Star Wars movies, right? Like you know. You asked me like you know do I like force awakens do I like last Jedi and I was like individually eh, but let's see what happens let's see how they li- let's see how they stand when the trilogy is over with yeah. and this is sort of a similar thing like how are these episodes gonna be when the season comes to an end how yes. are they all gonna kind of sort of which is yeah too bad too bad
0: well
1: yeah yeah I mean you... just because you know you... we're back to the whole you want self-contained stories yeah yeah
0: but you want that Magical mix. But again, you know... Standalone and over...
1: Ensign Mount did say, like, season-long arcs are fine. He goes, but I think that it should be something that should not be the main driver of an entire season. Because we could totally do season-long arcs, but, like, I think the example he used was DS9's Dominion War. I mean, the Dominion War was not front and, not front and center every time, even though it was sort of happening in the background. They had episodes that focused on it, but they didn't... Just,
0: right. It often was the B story.
1: Which it was the right. B story, so, and, and and for somebody Clark's who didn't see into
0: some misadventure.
1: Well, for somebody who didn't watch DS9 fully in the and when it first aired, like I didn't start watching it really in earnest until maybe like nine years ago or so when I got the DVDs. After like the first few episodes of season six, when they retake the station, and it goes right into and I started watching more of it, and it goes into like Dax and Warp's wedding. I'm like, wow, the Dominion War really is not the main focus, and I for the longest time I'd always thought it was, but it a lot of times it just. Takes yeah. a back seat to everything else that's going on. Yeah. yeah.
0: The first show that I remember really doing it's the X Files also. Well, yeah. Twin Peaks first, but then X Files.
1: Hmm.
0: And X Files would have, I remember when the show would start, you would be trying to figure it out. Is this going to be one about the big conspiracy, or is this yeah. just the monster of the week?
1: Yeah. And you never knew. Never knew. Um, cool. Well, uh, two months from now.
0: Yeah, so we're going to tweet out that article so you can read it. Please January 23rd. It or go grab your copy of the New Yorker.
1: Yeah. Um, so, let's take a few seconds and talk about Ask Not, the short Trek. Yes, let's. So, you, we just watched it because you said you hadn't seen it yet, so we mm-hmm. decided to watch it. I, this is like my 10th time seeing it. So, I was very surprised because I thought that you were going to be ready to hate it. And to my, to my surprise, you did not at all. I loved it. I'm
0: surprised you were surprised.
1: Well, uh, okay, so, right. lead, lead, lead with that.
0: Sure, so... I've talked about it before mm. a lot of how what I like to see in Trek are people talking through ideas and strategies. So, my, as I say, my favorite scenes are next-gen scenes sitting around the table where everybody's yeah. like giving their ideas and they're working out a problem. Right. So, what I really liked about this was that, A, it gave you this interesting mystery because, of course, you can tell right away something was up yeah. and it wasn't what we what it
1: seems cuz you're like you're like Pike doesn't cuz you were like Pike's not going to do this yeah. and like you going yeah, on like Wolf well, Yeah not. and it but, wasn't that
0: he wouldn't mutiny because he would if it, that's the thing that made it more convincing is because he gave a very legitimate reason for him to be mutiny right. and so and you're it like it seems like okay well that's a, that's a Kirk move Kirk would have
1: mutinied there Yep um, or Michael
0: but then when he started yelling at her yeah. and being mean I realized that oh, okay Pike would never do that mm-hmm. but that was all Secondary. What I really liked was the fact that they were debating Starfleet regulations. Mm-hmm. And...
1: Did you think he was testing her at any point?
0: It crossed my mind. Like, the it way point, it
1: ended where you're like, yeah, that, is that, like, oh, that's what I thought?
0: It, it was one of the many thoughts I had. Yeah. Was that this could be a test. Right. But I also did think that it seemed... But then again, Trek has a um, history of blowing shit up for their tests. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like blowing up consoles for I mean, tests, which doesn't make any sense.
1: This is the this is like the Kobayashi Maru. Wesley Crusher yes. went through this on Next but Generation it, here's as well. The difference. So yeah.
0: When you're in the Kobayashi Maru, you know you're in a simulation. Right. And they still blow up the panels. <laughs> but here, it made more sense. You had
1: to But the te- but the thing about the Kobayashi Maru is it's not a test of endurance. It's a t- it's 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 not to win or lose. It's that. It's a
0: test of how you handle. a situation. It's how you handle
1: it, and it's just like you're and you know you you're going this may happen. You may get into a no win situation. There yes. may be a moment and where you're you going to have
0: a meltdown over, uh,
1: right. you know, you Kirk totally lose Kirk obviously did not believe in that and that's commendable, but
0: yeah, he said there's never a no win situation. Right. Yeah. But can you take it yeah, with grace or make a choice that you know is probably not going to work?
1: Yeah. Through.
0: Um yeah, so I really liked hearing Starfleet regulation be argued yep. in minutia. I like minutia. Yeah and that's why I liked it and how
1: cool did you like that that I showed you that that he quoted the same regulation that yes yeah, so they got the regulation Janeway, right Janeway. right down to the
0: .14 yep. or whatever it
1: was yep that's
0: great although the, the hate, although haters things.
1: were like well he didn't quote it exactly like Janeway did and I'm like or maybe Janeway didn't quote it the same way he did
0: <laughs> like they didn't use the same wording yeah well maybe they don't have the whole thing memorized but they know the gist
1: exactly Exactly. It's like, it's like when people get the amendments wrong.
0: I know. I was just gonna say, yeah. Tell me what <laughs> the amendments are. I'm sure you're gonna, right. you're gonna get the gist, but you're not gonna get but, the. But and
1: it's right? also really cool too, because right after that, he mentions the reserve activation clause, which is what Kirk used to recruit McCoy back in the motion picture when he beamed him up from the disco with the, <laughs> with the beard and the leisure suit. That's, yeah, that's also where they. McCoy up the says Price Kelly when M- they had. Him McCoy to, says, to you to do that you far. invoke the little-known, seldom-used reserve activation clause. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Love it. And, it's, and that's what I said to you, it's like, to those people who just think that Discovery or the Discovery era just ignores continuity, and I'm just like, come, I mean...
0: Well, okay, but, on. as I said, we have had a turnover, a couple of turnovers of, there's a, you know, if they believe this is, I don't know about this particular writer, but, mm. you know, Chabon's on, he's new, Yeah. there's a bunch of new blood in there,
1: Yeah.
0: and they've had some shake-ups with showrunners, and... So well, again, that's what I've been be saying about... This a dis- change in tune, because...
1: That's what I've been saying about Discovery. Like, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, because the quick overturning turnover rate of showrunners and whatnot from the yeah. first to the second season... It seems like, to me, they may have this shit together for season three, but I know I'm getting off topic.
0: It, it's like that restaurant where maybe you got, like, a bad meal or two, and now they have a sign-up that says, Under New Management. And you're like, all right, gonna give it a try. Yes,
1: exactly. Um, see what they can do. So, yeah, I mean, it was... It was and it was like the definition of a short track because it was the shortest one that we've had. It's nine minutes thirty-five seconds. It was um, and it was great. I mean, i I did suspect immediately, like, like you, when I first watched him, like, no, this can't be right. But then again, same thing, like, oh, maybe he did mutiny, but it was. If, if Pike did it, I'm sure he, had a, he definitely would have a reason yeah. for it. And even know, his know quick parents,
0: explanation like, made so much sense.
1: Right. But then, to your point, when he was getting more and more, like, intense, I was like... Yeah,
0: mm. when he was yelling at her, that was not
1: him. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, it was great that we got to see Spock and number one again, and... I gotta tell you...
0: And their little winky wink. Oh, winky wink. So little I, you knowing I, glass. I
1: honestly have to tell you, and I know I'm a broken record here, but, like, when it... when. At least that scene ended. In my the first time I saw it, I'm just like, alright, this just isn't funny anymore. Like just give us the goddamn <laughs> Pike series. Right? Come on.
0: Sure. Um, or give us a Pike movie.
1: Just Maybe give it a just, be the way to just, make just make it more Pike. Just again, I still say they can resurrect the movie of the week thing, the or a made for streaming movie or something. Just something. Yes. Right? Just something. I mean, again, you have your sets built already. You have your actors yeah. already. It's just like, you just need a green light from Uniformity, CBS. Uniform, costumes. Everything's there. And it was all on Discovery's dime. Um, the only thing that we were not fans of was when we finally got oh. to saw Engineering. I mean, and this we... And not a nitpick. We don't have a history of complaining about things of this caliber, because we're just like, oh, no big deal, it's not what we're watching for. Yeah, we watch like, before. we love like, the Enterprise. We do. We thought it
0: looked great. That's right. The bridge... The right. external of the ship. Right.
1: And it's modernized, but it has, it still has retained the... Elements retained elements that we know the, and love. Right. But engineering...
0: Engineering was just a, a neon light
1: tree in right. the
0: middle of a big right. room. But
1: again, like to your what I said to you, I'm like, well, at least it's not a beer plant anymore. <laughs> That's yes, fine, too. Yes. But, but,
0: as we said, right... It, so it made
1: no attempt to look like the... You know, I
0: would like to see if... And, and the fact that we just visited the set. I know, we were on that set. So I would have loved to have seen what they could do if they applied the same design elements of the bridge update yeah. to engineering because right. you've got plenty of you've got the, stair, the ladder going up and yeah. you have the triangle
1: but my, my, my theory was that in the original series we never saw warp core once and I have to believe that this, the engineering set that we see in the original series is like a room off to the side of engineering so maybe or that's
0: like the that. warp core and then right around the corner of the stairs and in the in the vo, in the uh, dodge balls painted gold
1: <laughs> right
0: yeah, I forgot about that um, so that was on the set there were these balls in engineering and they were it said they were dodge balls painted because right, they, they used to kick to kick them around and break. when yeah. yeah when they they would um, you know between sets and things they would throw them around but so
1: they, they never actually they never actually explained what that thing was though in, in the, the middle, the middle no. yeah never knew what that was
0: a lot of things we do not know what they were yeah like the yeah just stuff stuck to the wall I think it
1: was just like they didn't they needed to fill the space up with yeah they something. needed
0: to they needed to look science-y
1: yeah um, so, I, I, I enjoyed it, I think, um, loved it. I loved it, and I think that, I, uh, I'll say it again, I just think that, I just think that Anson Mount is, does such a good job with the character. I know. Sorry. Um, I so when I think of Captain Pike, he's the first one I go to now.
0: I still want him to be Batman, but it's not gonna happen.
1: I could definitely see that, though. So, I, can, so I can totally much. see he's got the such a good old but advantage. you know what I think it is about him though I think and just the way he plays the character is that you definitely he does it's hard to explain or like really articulate but like he does have that like Kirk-like swagger but he's got like that the way I describe him to my friends who haven't seen it yet is that he seems like a really perfect mix of both Kirk and Picard he's got like Kirk sort of like I want to say swagger but like yeah. he, but he's also got like Picard's ethics yes yes yes
0: and his empathy yeah and uh, one other thing just great acting by both yeah because I just got the respect that the character had
1: yeah
0: for Pike in that she was totally as soon as she saw him she was like oh no this can't be what I think it is yeah so she was totally torn just because the respect was there so much and I think um
1: um Sam will act Pike to me is one the way at least Anson Mounts portrayal of it is Pike to me is the kind of captain that if I was in Starfleet like that's the sort of captain I'd want to serve under like he's very he's yeah. a very disarming
0: yeah. captain like
1: in the first few seasons of Next Gen yeah Picard was very sense. very huh
0: yeah I know I was, I was predicting what you're going to say Picard
1: about. was well Picard was like very stiff and just very yeah. like almost standoffish but like Pike is very yeah. Disarming is the best word I can yeah, yeah. describe, because Captain is a high-ranking military yes. position.
0: But right? he he wouldn't make you feel like you were, you know, in the presence of the Great Captain, I can tell, even if you were no. low-ranking. But whereas He I mean, definitely
1: has the command presence, but like yes. he's not intimidating.
0: Right, he's probably right. going gonna to go out of his way to put you at ease.
1: Exactly. And he says to her, like, if you handle yourself here the way you did in the simulation, you're going to do just fine.
0: Yes, yeah. and he even immediately apologized, like, I'm so sorry, that was so cruel of us to do right. that. I'm having your husband brought over right now, so, you know, he knows Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to upset her.
1: It was really cool. Like, I was... We were commenting on something on a Twitter thread one time, uh, something, again, Pike-related, and somebody responded, and he said, uh, they said, you know, I used to serve in the military, and I served with a bunch of different captains, and he said, I can assure you, there are Captain Pikes in the military. He's like, you will have captains like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And to your point, I think I like Picard because I see... Picard, obviously, from the show, I see him all the time. But if I was a low-level person on Picard's Enterprise, I don't know how much I would like him. I probably would respect him, but I don't think I would like him. You'd be afraid of of
1: him. him. Like, I I would be... How do I put this? So, even though Pike and Picard are the same rank, this is how I would see it from somebody who works in corporate. Picard is the CEO, who I wouldn't even want to... who I'd be afraid of. But Pike would be the disarming, like, VP... Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: and as an educator, yeah, you know we have many different administrators in a building, and like there are some administrators that if you see them, you just don't want to interact with them. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to come into your classroom. You don't want them to see what you're doing. You just like stay away. Well, and then there are other ones that you see them walking down the hall. You're like, oh, come on in, check out what we're doing in here. But like, he's one of those.
1: There were several moments in Next Generation where like you saw a low-ranking officer or even a cadet. Like, I remember there was that episode. It was actually the first episode where they encountered the Borg. Q who there's a new officer in in engineering of all places, and she's she replicates some hot cocoa and she's talking to Jordy, and she rounds the corner and she bumps into Picard and she spills.
0: Oh, he's pissed.
1: And he, and like, <laughs> right. And so like in that moment you're like oh, and in her mind she's like oh my god I like totally fucked up like this is horrible. Imagine how that would have gone down if that was yeah. Captain Pike.
0: Picard did nothing to make her feel okay. No, he, he absolutely
1: like, nothing. You... Yeah.
0: Idiot. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's
1: like ensign, uh, ensign, and he said, I remember he's trying to get her name, and then, just him. <sighs> right. There was some clear irritation, and he yes. said, and he said, well, he never even said like welcome aboard, or and I don't believe he did, and he said because she was new to the ship, and he said I think it'd be best if I just go and change my uniform, and he kind of shot Geordi a look, and he handed her back the yeah. empty cup, and then he walked away, and she was like, oh my god, I feel so horrible, but like Pike would have he totally. Would have laughed about it. Pike would have totally disarmed that situation. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: yeah. very true. And, uh,
1: but it's just, it's different command styles. That's that's just how yeah. it is. Different people. And Picard
0: is annoyed often, even with people that he's close to.
1: He right. seems annoyed with them. Right. But I will say, as the series went on, Picard did become much yeah. more likable, and he loosened up, and I think that Borg experience changed him quite a bit. And he even
0: finally went and played cards in the last
1: episode. He did. He became... I People love Picard, and I get it, I mean, but I, I, I often wonder, like... Do, Do they like him in the first few seasons?
0: Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. Here's one thing, though, right? I'd rather serve under him. Yeah. But if I were in, like, the impossible situation... Yeah. ...where there's, like, the real-life Kobe Yashmir, I'd
1: rather have Picard. But the interesting thing to me is that... I trust Picard to make the right choice. The Pike that we saw in the cage, played by Jeffrey Hunter, I think he's very stiff, and he plays him very much like, I think, the way Patrick Stewart is in Picard. He's just a very stiff, like, Mm -hmm. captain. He's just... He's not... I don't. I don't find Jeffrey Hunter's portrayal of Pike very likable. And well, remember honestly.
0: though, with his doctor, he has some, some banter. Remember, he does. They make I mean, some jokes he's, back
1: and he's forth. he's down and out because of what happened on the um, on the planet they had just visited prior to that. But um, there's nothing about him that I that, that I find. There's nothing about the Jeffrey Hunter Pike that I find likable. And I mean, I feel like I'm saying something almost sacrilege, but like.
0: Yeah, well, but honestly, I mean, that's why yeah. The, I mean, we can go with the um, doyleist explanation and just know that it's because his acting was not good and,
1: and yeah. you know the,
0: he was not a likable character and that's why they had to. But that's why. Him you, out.
1: But I think that's why I got to give Anson Mount all the credit because he's really taking a character that really had no, he had very little go, on, very very little to go on and was able to just make it his own. I think and so in my mind when I think of Captain Pike, like he's the first one I go to because he's he has had now the most time with the character. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. But I'm keep... we re-watched the, the doctor banter. He's a good personality.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I think they were,
0: made some dumb jokes to Texas, probably. But...
1: Definitely for the and time. And
0: Answer Mountain has been, they stuck him in a box with some lights, too, so it's official. <laughs>
1: This, then, is the epic journey of the Starship Enterprise. Traveling to the outer limits of time and space to challenge a vast living machine of destruction. The human adventure is just beginning. Star Trek The Motion Picture So, it's the 40th anniversary of Star Trek The Motion Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, obviously it's a big deal because it's Trek's first foray into the uh, into the feature film world. And mm-hmm. I think this, it's a very, I feel like it's a very polarizing film in the, uh, within the Trek community. But, I gotta say... Over the years, I think I've really grown to appreciate it a little bit more, and I think that just sort of given the discussion we just had about Michael Chabon, um, and just sort of how he feels about Trek, I feel like that movie really kind of um, captures that essence right I mean I know the whole story behind it that oh, right. it was made because Star Wars was a big success and all that stuff and that's fine but the well, thing it was just
0: why they got the money f- to make
1: it why the right. studio greenlit it because
0: there's nothing that is in the motion picture that would appeal to a Star Wars
1: that's, that's what I was going to say look there's nothing it doesn't try to be Star Wars no right? I think it just was that yeah.
0: hey this movie made a lot of money Here's this other movie that's I mean, sort of, the, of like
1: it. the stories behind it, you know, are obviously now legendary. Right, it was going to be a, you know, it was going to be a TV movie, then a TV series, and back and forth, back and forth, and then, mm-hmm. you know... Was the
0: Land of the Titans?
1: Planet of, Titans? Planet of Titans, which is the Enterprise design they chose for Discovery. Right, um, right. And then, um, eventually, it became a movie because, not just of the success, not just because of the success of Star Wars, but... You also had Close Encounters of the Third Kind come out at the same time. Black
0: Hole did that come up before this? I don't know that movie. That's oh, a Disney movie, but.
1: Um, but it, it showed that sci-fi was bankable finally, and I've heard the motion picture often compared to it's sort of called Star Trek's version of 2001: A Space Odyssey, which oh, totally. I could kind of see, and I think it was a movie that really kind of I would argue like it's very much like the original show, and that it was really playing with ideas in a really big idea, and a really sort of science fiction-y idea.
0: Yes, and if I'm not mistaken, there's... Haven't, didn't they sort of do this idea in an episode?
1: Yeah, that's it's called The line Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So.
1: So, I mean, sort of, but it's not like a... Yeah. <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's... It's similar, but it's not like... Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, I I... I think where I've come down on the film now is that I like it. Yeah. It clearly... Tried to do too much stuff, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean it's had it had an extremely troubled production. Yeah, and went over budget yes. several times, I believe. Yeah,
0: but yeah, I like the two thousand one obviously because it has that crazy, just pure art film sequence right in it, and the effects. The effects
1: two
0: thousand one was sixty something,
1: sixty eight, I believe. Yeah. yeah,
0: and that was the first time that outer space effects looked realistic and I th- then you had star wars and then I this think, with yeah. very similar techniques and similar look but i think it's in its yeah it's like a mix between hmm. 2001 but
1: made more i think it's i think it's definitely the most um and really i mean maybe this will be controversial but i think it's the only true science fiction trek film because after that everything as good as the ones that came after that, are, I mean, yeah. they're strictly like, you know, you had the, you had Adventure. Wrath you had Wrath of, C- yeah, it was like big space yeah. adventures, and I mean, maybe and you could Genesis say,
0: was maybe you sci-fi. could say
1: four as well, I mean, yes, but it wasn't the main focus, like, that was, right,
0: right? Yeah, but true, that was like the, McGonagher.
1: because this movie does not have a villain, really, um, neither does the Voyage no. Home,
0: it's just like a, one of the episodes, and right. it has a misunderstood,
1: it's entity. a, it's a movie about, it's a movie about exploration, which is one of the key elements of Trek. It's just about exploration. And look, as much as we all love The Wrath of Khan, let's really stop and think for a second. I mean, it's 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 an action movie. It's an adventure movie, right? It's not about exploration. It's not... I mean, yeah. there are some ideas it's in a there. It's about revenge. And there are, I mean, there are some ideas in there about, like, okay. getting older and mortality and I guess that sort of stuff, but... Oh, yeah. But, like...
0: That's not sci-fi, though.
1: No, but... And also, like, it's only there if you really look for it. Like, if you just want to go for the action and adventure, that's fine. But, this is a, but the motion picture is truly a movie about an idea. Yes. About and, ideas.
0: And see, that's the thing. Before I watch it, I have that in mind. Hmm. And I get very excited. And then I watch it. And then I feel less... Yeah, I, I like mean, to think about it more than to watch it.
1: <laughs> it's it's a movie that's better when you think about it rather than actually watching yeah, it. But
0: I feel like I, if I sat down and made an edit, I could ma- edit it down to about an hour and it would. Be
1: oh no, good. somebody has. I've seen cuts on YouTube where like they take out the reaction shots and you lose like forty minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But motion. but again though, I will say, it's a movie that's and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it's a movie that's driven almost entirely by its soundtrack. And it's an amazing soundtrack. Oh, it was yeah, nominated absolutely. for an Oscar, and they didn't win, unfortunately. It's but, still, yeah,
0: it's still, you know, with the next-gen theme coming out of there, I mean, it lived
1: on for ages. The, the thing about it is that what I noticed, the thing, the distinction I always make in this movie is when, when you have the Enterprise flying through the cloud, the Vija cloud, and you have the crew, like, staring at the screen, and they're just like... Again, it's, you know, ten minutes straight of reaction shots, and they're just sort of reacting to what they're seeing... It's one of the few times I always find in movies where the characters are feeling the same thing that the audience is feeling, like they're being wowed and we're also being wowed because we're we're all really seeing the same thing, we're experiencing the the same thing. Yeah, when we see the Enterprise,
0: particularly. Oh
1: man, like I'm in the extreme minority. Everyone's like, "Oh, that scene's too long," and I'm just like, "What are you talking about? Like, in that's in my opinion, it's not long enough."
0: It's great, and you feel the scale of it. Like, they did really well at making the model seem I, I like,
1: think what people don't understand, gigantic. and I think what people don't understand... I mean, obviously, I wasn't born when the movie came out, so I didn't see it on the big screen, but...
0: I was born, but I did not see it on the big screen. I,
1: was I, I think the, the point of that sequence, it's really twofold, right? It's seeing the Enterprise u- utilizing modern production values, modern visual effects, but it's also sort of introducing any newcomers, and also reintroducing you, the fans, to this new enterprise. And it's just you getting to really see it for the first time. And again, kind of like what I was just saying a minute ago, Kirk is really seeing it for the first time. We are seeing it for the first time. It's, yeah. it's this shared experience. Like, we are the character in that moment.
0: Yeah. And assuming, as I do, that yeah. the direction of it is inspired by 2001. Yeah. 2001, I mean, another thing, also very soundtrack-driven. Right. And... It just luxuriated in the special effects a lot. Yeah, you get some nice music and a cool space situation that looks realistic, and you can just pan around and it looks.
1: Well, and I think the composer Jerry Goldsmith, like he didn't, he didn't really have a lot to go off of when he wrote that score. I mean, there was there was almost nothing for him. I think all he had was really like storyboards. There was really nothing for him to see. So like he sort of, in a way, it's almost like the visual effects were created to go along with the score when it's really sort of the other way around. And that's, that's right? awesome actually. So he was sort of Yeah, but I, I I will say, like, I think in the years since, um I never truly hated the movie. I mean it's not I mean no, it's
0: I never not hated it
1: it's not really a Star Trek movie I watch very often. I mean sometimes I'll put it on and I'll just sort of like leave it on in the background. Like it's nice it's a nice like background film to have on. hmm. But um is it a perfect movie? No. Absolutely not. But I don't think that... I don't think it's a... I don't think it's that... As I said, I think it's... An, and I said this about Generations when we were talking the other day. I think it's entirely watchable. I mean, yes. does it drag in places? Yes.
0: Yeah, But if you're in the mood for it. And I it's very... Like, it's very The set designs are great, too. The costume designs I really like. I don't yep. know what people don't.
1: It's um, my favorite version of the Enterprise, but sure. The yes. Refit Enterprise, oh my god.
0: Yeah, those look great. Yeah. Um and I like the weird belt buckles with no belt. I like that. I like it. Um it looks really good. I like the security people with the weird rubber yeah. shoulder bits
1: and so weird I had this, football helmets. I had this friend one time who um he was a big next generation fan. And some people only have tunnel vision for next generation. Like it's really weird. Like they don't watch any other trek, just the next yeah. generation, right? And he'd, you know, seen some of the original series. He hadn't seen all the films. And so he, him and I were watching the motion picture one day. So the movie began and the, the opening theme begins. And he's like, what the hell? I go, what? He goes, why is this using Next Generation's theme? I go, other way around, buddy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, obviously the story behind this movie is that the, this movie was, the storyline was the pilot for the Abandoned. TV series, and I've read the script for that. I used to have it, Uh and it's not too different. I mean, the the biggest difference is obviously is that Spock is not there. It's now he's replaced by a character named Zahn, who's another Vulcan. Decker and Ilya don't die; they stay on the ship. And
0: they're the crew, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I think they had thirteen episodes in various. Two of them, two of them actually went on to be Next Generation episodes. Um, the child and Devils Do, mm. um, but Ailea was like originally sort of supposed to be kind of similar to what Deanna Troy became. Okay, she was an empath. Yeah, and Commander Decker was kind of Will Riker. I mean, if you really okay. stop and think yeah. for a second, like you can see the sort of similarities between them, oh, between the cool. set. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, wait, I know. Wait,
0: was Kirk going to be around? He was. Okay, he was going to have a new young crew around.
1: Yeah. Well, everybody else was going to be there except for Leonard Nimoy. Okay. And then those two it. were the additions to the he didn't, want to do cast. It. he didn't want to do it. I think he was in his. I think back then he was in the I'm not I Spock. I am not Spock I think he was in the, the I'm not Spock phase. Yeah. So. Yeah, before realizing he was Spock. Um, I wish we had like a whole episode to really sort of talk about. Yeah, we
0: can do we want The for movie. Our
1: podcast. We do, but there are other things I want to get to, but.
0: I mean, another time.
1: Another time, but um, yeah, I definitely feel like the motion picture is really not. The sort of disaster that everyone sort of makes it out—no, I don't think—to so be. I mean, I think, I think it. Ha- I mean, yes, the movie does have some faults, but, I mean, really, it's what launched Trek onto the, onto the big screen. And I think that, you know, when, I love that we're now in this phase when with science fiction movies, like we have movies like Interstellar coming out, we have movies like The Martian coming out, and I just and I've always kept saying like. And the sort of like modern takes on what the mo—they're almost like Interstellar, especially like the visual imagery and stuff like that. I think to myself like that's what I would want to see Trek sort of Trek films now sort of lean more towards because that's kind of what the motion picture was doing.
0: Yes, I fear we will never see that.
1: We no, we won't. Because we won't.
0: only because it has become—it's fallen into the franchise trap of everything has to make a billion dollars yep. and appeal to the widest possible audience. But right. maybe. A film like The Joker, yeah, that love it or hate it, it did something that's really smart. Is maybe takes a part of your your franchise universe and do something smaller with it that you can do something different. You don't have to make a billion dollars.
1: Well, this is why I'm glad that we have Trek TV series back on the air now because movies have to, movies can be hit or miss, and they have to succeed and. You know, on TV, you can afford to have a bad episode one week, and you can do another one the following week and maybe you do one have, more about ideas. But...
0: You have a bad film, and people might, you might not get yeah. any money to make
1: another one. So, the other film that we should discuss, it's the 25th anniversary of Generations. Um, and the thing I pointed out the other day when we were talking was we have three, really four film anniversaries, but three significant ones. So, again, it's the 40th anniversary of the motion picture. It is the 25th anniversary of Generations, and it is the 10th anniversary of Star Trek 09, and it's also the 30th anniversary of Star Trek V, but the reason why I bring up these first three is because these are really sort of like, they're tentpole Trek films because they were really the first to launch a respective, to launch a new sort of, as cliche as it sounds, a new era in the Trek film franchise.
0: Yes. You know, this
1: is the first movie... Generations is the first film for the next generation, and 2009 is the first film for the Kelvin timeline. So it was each was one was a launch, and the other two were sort of relaunches of the film yeah. franchise. Yeah, it's interesting too because, because
0: the approach taken for all three is so different.
1: You right, had
0: one that said just go for it, make it as tricky as possible. Yep. You had one that said I don't know, people are gonna like this? I don't know. Let's just do a little of both.
1: <sighs> and then you had well, the other one. I take it the odds are against us, and the situation is grim. Could say that. Sounds like fun.
0: Wolf one engage. Let's go.
1: Star Trek Generations. So Generations, um again, not I wouldn't say it's a very I don't want to say it's a hated film, but it's not one of the more popular ones in the franchise. Um,
0: it's one of the few original films before 2009 that I remember seeing in the theater.
1: Yeah, I, I did I see it in the theater? I think I did. Um, but, again, it's not a strong film. No. I think, I think people tend to focus more on what the movie could have been instead of what it what, what it actually was. Yeah. I mean cuz this was the epic meeting of Kirk and Picard and like that's I think up to that point people wanted to see this happen cuz you had Spock on the next generation at one point you had Scotty on the next generation at one yeah. point. So there was, we had already sort of established the sort of the two shows sort of living together but you wanted to see Kirk meet Picard. Nice. And I remember I remember back then the trailer seemed to suggest all the promotions seem to suggest that Kirk played a far more significant role than what we actually saw. It seemed like he was present throughout the entire movie. And you're like, oh, you know, is he going to interact with the entire Next Generation cast? Or both? are both casts going to, you know, do this? But right. um, Kirk just appears at the beginning. He's just yes. He bookends the movie. He's just the beginning and the end. I mean, it's yeah. clearly a Next Generation movie.
0: But it's interesting because the first, what, 20 minutes, half an hour, is the well, yeah. original
1: right. crew movie. Right.
0: For the look of it, the direct, everything just feels like well, this is it my is that. This is my and problem. It starts off cool.
1: This is my problem with that. Okay. Generations commits two crimes, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Okay, I think I know
1: what you mean. Star Trek six ended with the last of the original crew and that was that and they're and now we see them again and you're like wait I just said I mean we don't see all of them but you're like wait I just said yeah. goodbye to you guys yeah. and now
0: you, you wonder what else it does it's terrible.
1: and then same with the next generation the next generation series ends it's yeah. goodbye Picard's playing cards with them and then you know
0: Here's the other here thing they are again does.
1: you're like eh.
0: you know how in all the films there was always contract disputes and money disputes with Nimoy yeah but they always worked it out yeah if they just left well enough alone, mm-hmm. they could have always have worked it out. But they didn't work it out this time, and...
1: Well, well the story goes, was that... He said it was just a cameo. They wanted Spock and McCoy to be there alongside of Kirk, which would obviously have made sense. Because it's weird, like, you're like, Chekhov and Scotty, what? Um, Nimoy was originally tapped to direct the film. Okay. He didn't like the script. Couldn't see me, <laughs> could, audience couldn't see me, but I rolled my eyes. And also, he didn't feel that the use of Spock at that point... It was just a can like, it didn't mean anything. Yeah. It wasn't significant.
0: Yeah. Which mm-hmm. also would be interesting to talk about the JJ. Like, <laughs> okay. Like,
1: okay, but whatever, you know.
0: Well, he said if he said, I think he even said it was that it was, me, it was only a cameo. Right. In his
1: words. But at the same time, it's like, you know, again, if I want.
0: directing, I mean, just. You know. I, I
1: want, I'd want to be like, you know, well, Nimoy, it's Leonard, it's not an original series film. <laughs> so. It's not about you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm taking a bit of a cynical look at that, but. And I'm sure D. Kelly was just like, nah. <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I got gonna, plenty of money. I'm going to sit at home with, in my one-floor house with my wife and watch the grass grow.
0: Is that what he did?
1: I'm I'm quoting Nimoy in the Voyage Home commentary. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, and that, by the way, I forgot about that. Uh, and McCoy was in the first episode of Next Generation, too. So... Um, All right. But, like, this was a big deal. Like, I remember, like... Pe- this was when Trek really started to skyrocket to the heights of popularity. Like, Kirk and yeah. Picard were on the cover of Time magazine.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, Trek was really sort of approaching its peak in popularity. Next Generation just ended. DS9 was on the air. Voyager was coming. This was the first Next Generation movie. This was... Series yeah. pretty, um, runner at the time, uh, Rick Berman, said that when this movie came out, it was the most... He had said it was probably the most hectic time in the franchise because he said... At one point, Next Generation was going off the air. DS9 was in production. This movie was getting prepped, and Voyager was coming. It was four things in the state in state of yeah. production. And now you just think yourself, like, oh my god, that's nothing. But these are this is the same person running well, all. But yeah, but
0: that's more than what's going on now in Trek, really. I mean, they're doing well. Not just series, I don't mean but... I
1: don't just mean like with Trek, but like with just franchises in general. Yeah. But like, yeah, the difference is you have to remember like that's all being headed by one person. Yes. Overseeing all of this, right? Like yeah. so.
0: And then you had. And um, he co- and
1: he co-created all of those shows except Next right. Generation.
0: And even Ronald Moore was writing on Deep Space Nine DS9, and right. wrote this Generations.
1: Yep. Brandon Braga was writing on both. I think moved over to Voyager at this point.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, and that's the other thing. Ronald Ronald Moore and Brandon Braga wrote the finale for Next Generation, and they were exhausted, and they had to write this. And oh, in yeah, fact, yeah. on the commentary, I think for Generations, they had actually said, you know. We wrote these two back-to-back, and they think that... Ron Moore had said, I think that All Good Things, the finale, is a lot better than this this movie. Oh, yeah. He's like, this should have been the movie. And I thought to myself, yes, there was a cinematic quality to it, but it wouldn't have made sense as a movie, because it was, it was a bookend to the entire series. So it made more sense that way.
0: But wasn't there also, the original plan was, or one possible plan was, to just jump right into Next Generation Films? Yeah. And then the studio said, well, we gotta... We need a
1: passing of the torch somehow, and... Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think it started off with a sort of a fundamental problem in its design. Right. Because, as I said, the first 20 minutes seem like it's starting a original series film. Yeah,
1: you're launching the Enterprise B.
0: Right. The and he's worst looking it, Enterprise in the
1: entire lineage. He has to opinion. take
0: it over, and he has to... I mean, it starts off great. I mean, I was into it. I right. wanted to watch that movie. Right. And then he gets sucked out into the
1: vacuum. I, I, I actually remember seeing... I did see it in the theater. I was nine. I revealed my age again. Um, I remember... I actually remember watching that portion in the theater. And I'm actually... Now that it's all coming back, this is all coming back to me. I remember how I felt. So when that opening scene ended, and it cut to them on the Enterprise D, I was like, oh... Like I don't want to watch this now, yeah like where is I just... but back then, I was not a huge next gen fan, so okay, yeah,
0: I just re-watched it within the last month or two for mm. the first time since baby seeing it in the theater um and the, my thought was, I wanted to watch that movie, yeah, and so that was a bummer. and then so that went from that, and then I feel like it was would have been an okay next gen. The whole Nexus thing, right? Could have been an okay Next Gen episode.
1: That's the thing. It, it's I think the one of the big. It's well, before you said that, you're like, you know, that when you said that's the movie I want to watch, I had the same feeling with Discovery. So after the first two episodes with yeah. Giorgio and Michael, I'm like, that's the show I want to watch. <laughs> that's what I want to see.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think with Generations, one of the things that's fundamentally one of the fundamental problems with it is that you're going from a TV series into a movie, you're using the same sets on the TV series. You have to make them, you have to like prep them and make them for a big screen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's also being handled by people who are, who worked on a TV series. Like even the person who directed it, David Carson, was a director on Next Gen. Okay. So like it didn't feel like too, it didn't, the movie did not feel like too much of a leap from the series onto it. Like it still had the same, it still felt the same. Like yeah, it was, it was. It was bigger, but we wrote It were, was lit better. It was lit better, although Picard's right, ready room when the bright light, that was weird, the bright light shining in from the star outside. I'm just oh, like, what yeah. the... But, I mean, they were able to do things that you wouldn't normally, that you would want to see on the show. Like, you know, you had, like, 10 forward didn't have just, like, t- like four people, and now it was, like, bustling yeah. with people. You had more people in the hallway, because, like, they'd be walking in the hall, you'd see, like, one person on a ship right. of, like, a thousand people, mm-hmm. right? So, there were things about it that worked, but I also feel like it didn't Next Generation, I think, as far as the look, didn't, at least with that one, didn't successfully translate well to the big screen because it didn't feel like too much of a leap. And also I think that when you're dealing with a show that had special effects done by, or initially at least, ILM, who worked on movies, like, it didn't... Of course. The only thing that made it was the, the... Formatting. I mean, okay, it's in widescreen. It's not four x three anymore. But like, it, to me, it never felt like a huge leap from TV mm. to the movies. It just kind of, yeah. you know. And 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 I think story and I think storyline wise, it didn't really speak to a movie format.
0: Yeah. Well, here's it a, could have
1: been a it could have been an episode.
0: Like it was a yes, it could have been an episode. But like I said, it was a hodgepodge. Yeah. Because it was a dumb. You could tell it was a studio idea. Yeah. No, we got to pass the torch, but they're a hundred years apart. Yeah, yeah, just figure it out figure something out yeah and yeah. but and then the fact so you have yeah you have 20 minutes to a half an hour of a, the Kirk movie and then you have a little bit of a
1: of the lost Star Trek 7 and then you get to get yeah, the yeah and then you yeah. get
0: the then we meet uh what well, was his name is escaping me the actor Malcolm McDowell yes thank you Malcolm McDowell <laughs> then we meet Malcolm McDowell and, but it's kind of and like, Guinan's there that's and, happening yeah. yeah Guinan has some connection but that's doesn't really go anywhere um
1: well, you just found out they the same race, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and then it's sort of like an episode. But here's the thing I don't like. Mm. And I, I don't know the backstory. Check out Ask the Experts. To kind of say
1: what you're saying is like the movie had a lot of things going against it.
0: Sort of yes. from the get-go. Yes. Yeah. Well. But. So when we get the meeting.
1: Mm. Captain Picard. Yep.
0: Captain Kirk. Yep. Picard is following around his cabin. Mm-hmm. and he's uh, trying to get his help with something, and he's explaining it, and Kirk's yeah. ignoring him, and he's cooking, and he keeps keep brushing him off. Yeah. And obviously, we don't always, when we get what we want in a film or a TV show, it's not always the best, right? So no. it's not that I wanted this epic showdown in space or something. right? But, and you know I have a sort of a bias against Shatner for some reason. Mm-hmm. But watching the scene, I, I all I could think of was Shatner reading the script saying, like, wanting to make sure that his character yeah. had the upper hand
1: on yeah. Picard. Yeah, that's what you mean. Like,
0: yeah. I, I, oh, I want to make sure that Picard is, like, begging me for help, and I don't, you know. Yeah. It just seems like...
1: It's a very, I think, the meeting between them, it's a very sort of dissatisfying... It's very dissatisfying, I think. It is, because they don't
0: meet as equals.
1: It's no, like, no. It's
0: Picard's the annoying kid, and Kirk is just like, leave me alone. I'm trying to make a roast or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, he's first. He's chopping wood, then he's making eggs, and.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I'm yeah. above it all,
1: you. Right.
0: Crazy captain.
1: Right. And no, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I can, yeah. yeah. Like I they're not they're not meeting like as peers. They're meeting as like Kirk's up here and he, Picard's yes, down there.
0: And I could see Shatner saying, you know, reading the script. Oh, no, I don't want script. No, no. You know. I don't know why. Yeah, just seems. Well, even, I think you know, Shatner is. Meaning. I
1: think Shatner is very protective of the character, and he wants to ensure that it's. Yeah. He but looks cool and badass yeah.
0: at all times.
1: Right. More cool and badass right. than everyone else. Um, no, I get that, and like when, I mean, this is a moment that had been building for a long time. I, I mean, I think even from the early, probably since the beginning of Next Generation, you would sort of hope that maybe there could have been something, some circumstance that brought the two of them together somehow, I mean, despite the fact that, I mean, I never even factored in, like, the the, the time apart really being an issue, because I'm like, well, it's sci-fi, they'll do something, yeah. you know, they'll do something to bring tell it and, Yeah. And better. and and McCoy was shown in the first episode as being very, very old, so it's like, oh, maybe Kirk could still be alive, because it was not ever stated at that point that Kirk yeah, was that would have been
0: bad. dead, right? But I bet you, oh, wait, but hold on, so, so here's the meeting, okay? Yeah. Thank you for coming in, Bill. We have a great idea. So it's, you know, the year blah blah blah. Yep. Kirk uh, spot uh,
1: Kirk's old, he's
0: in retirement. Wait, 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 wait. I'm gonna make me look old.
1: Well he didn't, wanna, he didn't want to be a, I'm gonna be a feeble old man. He didn't want to do that. He I mean that was similar conversation in Wrath of Khan. He didn't he had an issue with Kirk having glasses because he didn't even want him to be to be aged. Yes. Yeah and I don't like, well, Maybe Bill,
0: it's because he cares for the character, or maybe because he's vain.
1: I don't well, know. Bill, you're in your 50s. I mean, not to say the 50s are old, but it's like, you're... But you're not, you know, 31-year-old William Shatner, yeah. and, you know...
0: Yeah, so I so. can see, if they tried to do it that way, he yeah. wouldn't have gone for it. So then it's right. like, all right, we gotta do something with time. Right. Whatever. And then right. we're stuck with that. Yeah. And then he's in a cabin, and Picard's bugging him.
1: But I get what you're saying. Like, it's... You you would hope that... and. And I, I remember having a similar feeling because when Picard introduces himself and he says, "I'm Captain John Picard of the star of the starship," and then he pauses and he goes, "Enterprise," it like means nothing to Kirk. I, you think Kirk would be like, "What?
0: What?
1: Yeah, like, just still a no. I'm the captain or... of the like."
0: Yeah, no, he's just get yeah. out of my lawn.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. And there's something very, there's something very hollow about it. Yes. Yeah, and it's just a very, yeah. It's a very sort of dissatisfying.
0: Yes, and even the meeting. whole thing—it it could have been interesting, where like, you know, he's in this place, and it's his perfect I mean, I get I, he's trapped there. And Then even when he figures it out, it's.
1: Just... I get it because he's trying to—he's—he's he's confused and trying to figure out where he is.
0: And he's also being but... a little bit in denial because he yeah. wants it to be true.
1: Right, and he, yeah. I guess he so, just didn't sell it. He didn't sell it, and I. I don't. I don't know what I would have wanted the meeting for between the two of them to be. It seems like they would
0: have a lot of options. I mean, ships could get pulled through time a lot. They could have right. two ships. Whatever.
1: Whatever the plot. Would have been cool. Whatever the plot needs, it'll happen. Right. Yeah, they um, could have made
0: the two ships come together if they
1: wanted to. The rules of your world don't mean a thing unless the, the plot dictates that. As <laughs> I always say, um, yeah, like it's not the meeting I would have wanted between the two of them, but, I mean, it's what we got, and then.
0: And then we're gonna run around the rocks for the land. And desert.
1: then the idea of just killing Kirk off, I mean I think that was Shatner's idea, but Oh
0: yeah.
1: It was that was also an extremely hollow death. Yep. And, and
0: he also got the impression that he dictated how heroic he would be in the death. Yeah.
1: If you haven't read it though, I would I would highly recommend reading Shatner's novel The Return, which picks up after that. Yeah. It's bef- it's after this and before First Contact came out. It's a very... I mean, it's a little bit of... It's, it's really out there, but... Um, yeah, it's... Kirk re- comes back from the dead, as you may imagine. But, um, yeah. Huh. Um, I okay. will say this, though. Other than that, my favorite sequence in the movie is actually when the Enterprise crashes. I just think that every time... So, I think the special effects in this movie sometimes don't get enough credit, because they're actually really really amazing special effects, and I think that when um, you see the Enterprise crash, like, I see it crash, and I, like, I totally believe that, you know, like, a three million ton starship just crash-landed yes. on a planet, you know?
0: That's, it does look good.
1: Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I think that's. Other than that, like, that's that's what I think the movie is most known for. At least in my mind, it's the crash of the Enterprise D, which leads us to the Enterprise E in first contact. Yeah, it's funny but more
0: known for that than the death of Kirk.
1: For me, it is. I mean,
0: for a lot of people, I think I don't know.
1: Two, mo- there are two very important events <clears throat> in that movie. I mean, again, it's the death of Kirk and the death of the Enterprise D. So, <clears throat> the Enterprise D that had been. Seen on next generation. Yeah. I think what they should have done, quite honestly, is I mean I could see the temptation to want to do a Picard meets Kirk movie, but one thing that I think the next generation films should have done and never did hmm. was, I mean, you you needed to bring Q into a movie. I mean I don't know if you know can Q be sustainable for two hours? I don't know. But it just seemed like the logical thing to do because he was just such an ever present villain on Next Gen that you would think, Why don't you have a why don't you have Q in a film? Right? Like hmm. I mean That'd
0: In a way tough, in a
1: stakes. way in a way it kind of bookended it and closed the book on Q with the finale of Next Gen and to bring it back would have been. It can but, be tough
0: because he changes the stakes because yeah. nothing's real or doesn't have to be. I'll
1: tell you one thing though. It'd be insane if he doesn't appear on Picard at some point. How rude. can you not? Um, but weird. overall, or I think...
0: if Picard has uh, dementia and you don't know if Q's there or if yeah he has dementia, that would be fun.
1: But overall, I mean, in spite of all of that, I still find Generations to be an entirely watchable film. I mean, it's not it's not great by any way, but it, I I can sit through it. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's it's just not great. I, I, like I don't really feel like there's really any truly bad Star Trek movie. I think some are more watchable than others but i find this one to be entirely watchable yeah yeah
0: i've actually um, never seen into darkness since the theater
1: no yeah. we'll have to do one on that movie at some point maybe we could do a whole episode about the abrams films but leading us into yes. the first abrams film which we never really talked about so there's the 10th anniversary of that movie which is really hard to believe your father was captain of a starship for 12 minutes he saved 800 lives including yours. I dare you to do better. Enlist in Starfleet.
0: I've got no captain and no first officer to replace
1: him. Yeah, we do. You are capable of deciding your own destiny. The question is... Which path will you choose? I find that this movie is getting... I feel like at the time it was pretty loved, but I don't feel like time has been very kind to it.
0: Yeah, I think...
1: I mean, do you enjoy it? Did you like it?
0: I liked it when I saw it, Um, but it was... It was like... It was uh, it was an action film, yep. like many of the Star Trek movies were. Yep,
1: with and the it also Star Trek had, characters. and it had Captain Pike.
0: Yeah, and I, I I was fine with it. Yep, but I didn't think too hard about it. I guess.
1: You know, I put myself sense. I put myself in the mind of sort of. I think about where the franchise was at the time when it came out, and at that time there was no series on the air. Enterprise had been off the air for about four years and Nemesis had failed at the box office back in 2002. Enterprise was canceled in 2005 and so the future of the franchise seemed pretty bleak.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this film was announced a year after Enterprise went off the air.
0: Which that surprised me.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I'm just like, I was, that like surprised me too. Forever. That, yeah. I was very surprised when this film was announced. And um, so, but the thing of it was, at least in my opinion, up to that point, I think this movie is very is a very important film in the franchise. Only because if you go back and think, I find it very difficult. Like if somebody wanted to get into Trek, I found it very difficult to find a an entry point for them. Like where do you even begin?
0: Well, as you said with your friend, you told them. I don't. I don't. I would never give this as an entry point.
1: I th- but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to counter that and tell you why. Sure. I've got a I've had a couple of friends at the time. My oldest friend Mike who was not a who was never a Star Trek fan didn't never didn't hate it, just wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. But he loves movies and everything like that. He was sort of my barometer and he was the audience that they were trying to get for this film.
0: Which
1: is and when, when that movie came out and he saw the trailer he He's like I, re- he, I remember. I remember very well. He texted me, and he's like, "Holy shit, man! I just saw the Star Trek trailer. He goes, I really need to see this." And he saw that one. He saw the sequel. He saw both sequels, and he loved all of them. I mean, he didn't. He didn't go back and watch the other shows, but he was sort of the target audience they were going for, and that yeah. in trying to get people in exactly this movie. And like, I know there were longtime fans who who loved the original series, who loved this movie. Um, I've heard people say bad things about it, but I, I will always defend the film, because, you know, they're like, oh, you know, they they bring up the whole sacred, this is not Roddenberry's vision and that sort of thing. But, As we talk about a lot,
0: it hadn't been Roddenberry's vision in a long, 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 long
1: time. But even then, like, that's, not every film was.
0: And it was partway whatever next-gen ro- when it diverged.
1: It and look, here's the other thing. What is Roddenberry's vision anyway? Does anybody even know? It's, it seems everybody has their own version of what Roddenberry's vision is, right? Well, but like this is a movie that it was telling a story that we never saw before. It wasn't it wasn't retelling a story we had seen. We had never seen what brought Kirk and the crew together. So what I keep saying was, in spite of the fact that this does take place in an alternate timeline, I said this on a on one of our podcasts well, a long most time of it ago. Doesn't. Right. But I said this on our podcast a long time ago. Even though this this the coming together of Kirk and everybody takes place in an alternate timeline, not the prime timeline. We've never seen this happen in the prime timeline. So there's there's every reason to believe that something like this could have happened. Like, when Pike hands command of the Enterprise over to Kirk in the original timeline, like, they don't even go into any details. Who's to say a similar thing didn't happen here? Mm. Right? So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Here's the, here's I mean that's
1: semantics. It's not the point, but yeah. yeah.
0: But here's the interesting thing: when you say that, it has never once crossed my mind to put the elements of this film into um, my understanding of Kirk from the original series. Right. You know. Yeah. It's never so. crossed my mind to think. Well, yeah, some version of that happened, and that's how we got there. Right. Because um, they just don't connect to me.
1: Right. I mean. There are things again, despite the fact that it's an alternate timeline that take place that you think could have happened. Like this movie goes into Kirk taking the Kobayashi Maru test, which we have never seen before. Even though it's not the same Kirk, it the doesn't... same thing oh, still yeah. ha- the same thing still happens. Yeah. Right. So I think I, I what I do remember most about this movie when it was announced was Trek fans were just horrified at the idea of recasting Kirk, Spock, and the original crew and doing younger versions of them. Because I don't think at the time that wasn't really a thing. I mean... James Bond. You had had Batman Begins, which was the case, but I remember saying that specifically on the same board I post now, still post today. I was like, you know, guys, we recast James Bond all the time. Like, Kirk and Spock, while they may feel sacred, they're not. Yeah...
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I was, you know, Nemo obviously feels sacred to me and a lot of people. Right. But I'm sure Sean Connery felt sacred to James Bond fans for a long time. Oh, there I, has to be James, there the have
1: to be James Bond fans who just like can't stand like oh Pierce Brosnan he's not Bond to me or like yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. Bond yeah. I only care about the Sean Connery. Oh Roger Moore is my Bond like. Yeah. You know.
0: George is the only one for me.
1: <laughs> but. I think also when you think about it, I mean, at that point, Trek was nearly was forty years old, and it's forty years of association with with Shatner, Nimoy, and all of them. It's that's never happened before. Yeah, it right? was a
0: risky move, of course, but it, but it we paid off. Have meant they did it well. They did,
1: they did it well. Guys. I mean, I think it was a movie that I I've always felt was meant to just bring in new fans and really sort of reorient Trek in a lot of ways, but. I mean, I don't it's not a bad film in my opinion by any
0: no, it's fine. Chance. It's you know, it, it essentially it seems like it, it
1: accomplished did. what it was what it what yes. it set out to do.
0: But it does have that feeling of someone owned the name Star Trek and the characters and they said this thing should be making us money and it's not. What yeah. can we do? Well, yeah. everybody knows Kirk, everybody knows Spock, so let's yeah. bring them back. Of course they're too old. Or... They're
1: the most I mean they're the most associated with the franchise. Obviously. Yeah so yeah.
0: we'll do that we'll get new actors and you know and then the fact that they brought in to bring it back to the beginning when we talked about Chabon's New Yorker article the fact that they brought in J.J. J. Abrams who said oh right I never liked Star Trek. And of
1: course that's a big, that's a massive sin to any Star Trek or, fan or, but, you know, but neither did he... Nicholas Meyer who made Wrath of Khan.
0: Right. But yeah. what he said was I didn't like Star Trek so for me I didn't feel this um, like need to Keep it the same, or this like right. preciousness of it, and so I was able to just do whatever and make a fun action film. I mean, I and think it what was, they did.
1: I think a brilliant move was really to set it in alternate timeline because if you had, think of all of the continuity they would have had to uphold, and
0: oh, they would not have.
1: Right, and I think that's why they set it in the alternate reality because they were just like, we yeah. need to, we need well, they to didn't break. Have to
0: do that if they, they didn't really have to do
1: that. But again, the movie. In such a way, does not really break with continuity. Even if it was set in, our t- in that time, like it was not, it does not really break with continuity because it just, yeah, they speed some things up. Like the only thing that would really break from continuity is like, is Pike's duration of commanding the Enterprise. There's no number one, so mm. <laughs> like, but
0: yeah, um, it's I guess. It seems like their their attitude was, like I said, they were trying to do an action film that would appeal to the most people. Yeah. And they probably figured, well, enough people know the original films that, sure, if you could make it so it works somehow, then mm. do it. But I don't, I, I'm sure it wasn't a huge priority.
1: I I am curious about one thing. I want to get your take on something, and I hate to do the, you know, Star Wars versus Star Trek thing, know. but in a lot of ways, I feel like the intent of the what this movie set out to do. Is similar to what I think The Force Awakens set out to do. Like just sort of to reorient you, get you familiar with these characters again. Yeah. And sort of sort of almost set you off on I mean, do you feel like that's
0: Yeah, but I think that you could no, Do guess. you
1: think one does it more successfully than the other? Or well, I, I mean, mean they're I mean, different films, I mean, obviously, if, but if, yeah, yeah, if
0: they had recast Han, Luke, and Leia, I mean that would have been well, it's not. Like, it's, it's
1: more about the characters and not who. I, I would say for me, it's more about the characters, not who, not who necessarily playing them.
0: Right, but could you imagine if the, the Force well, Awakens was a new cast playing Han, Luke, and Leia?
1: Hmm. Well, Solo, Star Wars story, but well, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. Yeah,
0: but um, yeah, but
1: but in this case, it's younger versions of them, not.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense that they were doing the same thing and especially because i mean whoa look at that they got the same person to do it
1: yeah so, right i guess so yeah
0: and if you think about it the, the one of the critiques of the force awakens is that it was more of just an action film It kind of followed the original star wars movie and it didn't yeah. get that it didn't didn't like worry too much about the force and how it all works and right not it was still a little, sort of um like a shorthand of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe is isn't the best comparison to make, but I've always sort of... I've always kind of viewed those two films as, like, trying to do the same... similar things to their respective
0: I think they're trying franchises. to do similar things, and I think yeah. they both miss a core part of each. Mm-hmm. I think that in Abrams and Star Trek missed what we talked about in Chabon's article, yeah. which is this idea of universal inclusiveness and... Right. You know, the big ideas being right. important. And then I think in...
1: Yeah, it was a big action movie. It was a big action movie. Yeah.
0: And I think in The Force Awakens what they forgot was the spiritual,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, pseudo-spiritual um, uh, side that Lucas brought to... Um, yeah. To Star Wars, which was sort of this hodgepodge of, like, Eastern...
1: Their respective creators' influence does not feel present.
0: No, in the, the influence is more surface than it is
1: yeah. depth. You're just using his toys, but in a their yes. toys, but in different yeah.
0: Yes, you can hear the name. It's gonna get butts in the seats. Well,
1: I mean, the way I mean, I've had a similar conversation at least with regard to the Trek film, and I, you know, one thing I've always said was, you know, Star Trek does do outright action a lot of times. It's not oh, yeah, especially the movies, especially the movies, and I mean, you needed to. Let's be honest, Star Trek films need to cater to general audiences. I mean the T V shows are a very niche audience. And for yeah. in order to ensure that the movie is successful, you need to you can't just cater to Yes. That's Trekkies. why everybody
0: freaked out after the motion picture.
1: Right. Star Wars has more latitude because I think that it appeals to more people than Trek does.
0: Yeah, and it was always kind of an action
1: thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was built and, was. and it started off as a movie. It wasn't it's not going from a TV show to a film. No. Right?
0: And as much as it had that Pseudo spiritualism over it. It really was, as has been pointed out many times, the the classic tale of a hero and you know the call. to yeah, duty I mean, and you I check think the call and then you take it and the wise master gives you some advice. I mean,
1: despite the fact that this was an action film, you, there still could have been room to throw in a little bit of something of that. I mean, I do think that of those three films, Star Trek Beyond gets closest to the essence because even though it is an action film, I really took to the idea that like that, like Kirk's personal act, like he's getting tired. He just doesn't know if he wants to do this anymore. Like, is there any, you know, do I, you know, he was thinking like, do I want to take the admiral position and just, is there any more to this? And
0: yeah.
1: And I think The original, yeah, the, the, and plus like, and and even though like in the, in Beyond, like again, it may not have too much of the Roddenberry-esque vision to it, but like, you felt like you were still watching an episode of the original series because the Kirk, Spock, and Bones are, you know, a unit, and they just got the characters down perfectly, and there's a great character arc with Kirk, and even with Spock, so yeah, in a lot of ways it does, that's that one comes closest, I think, to the yeah. original and series and all of them. It doesn't
0: don't. do that much more than the other
1: ones. Yeah.
0: It just says shows that it didn't take much to get a, a little more tricky.
1: No, it just I think what that movie does that the other ones don't do is that it, it, it dedicates more time to the character per to the character's personal journeys. The main character's yes. personal journeys. But it didn't and... grapple
0: with the big idea or anything like that.
1: No. So, no. So yeah. In, um, in,
0: yeah, it's true. With the films, it was definitely the characters that were so great,
1: especially. Right. I mean, you can still... I still think that in the Trek films, you can definitely grapple with a big idea.
0: Sure. Because you they, can't they, do it
1: as much because, as on the show, but you can still yeah, do it. because they right? do the yeah. Cold War... Uh, right. And, uh, yeah, uh, analogy. Right. I mean, I'll say this. As much as people... As much as fans may not like Star Trek V, mm-hmm. again, I still think... It's watchable only because the the overall plot I think is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, but, a mystery. But there's that there's one particular scene. It's when Cybok is trying to show shows Spock and McCoy their pain, and then Kirk says, oh, yeah. and Kirk's like, no, you know, I don't want my pain taken away from me. It makes me who I am. Like, I'm thinking oh, about yeah, like, like that, like that scene alone and like the scenes with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy really I I know I said I wasn't going to talk about this movie but what the hell (laughs) the scenes between the three of them really are what make that movie work and I think that one really as much as we we, we may want to hate it Shatner knew like what knew to go back to that relationship which really was kind of dormant in the the film series I think it wasn't you didn't see a lot of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy banter too much I mean you got some of it but not a whole lot. And it it's sort of become
0: the caricature of like right. Bones would throw a few jabs at Spock.
1: Right. I mean, he does it in Ra- in Wrath of Khan a number of times, but and in the motion picture, yeah. but
0: yeah. Um, yeah, that one. That's true. That one deals with ideas more than other
1: ones. That whole movie is based because on ideas like religious I seen ideas, that a long time. but um, that tonight. yeah. And I think that the Abrams films like they could have done that, but I think they just got too. I think because Abrams was not familiar with Trek and didn't like it. I think that. And while, in some cases, it worked, because, again, director Nicholas Meyer, who did Wrath of Khan and Undiscovered Country, that worked in his favor, right? He knew, he at least knew how to make a good movie, and he knew what made the characters work. He just wasn't a fan. But he at least, like, in a sense, did his homework and figured out how to make these work. Abrams, I think, when he says stuff like, I want to try to inject some Star Wars in here, it's like, I know what you mean, JJ, but that doesn't—I don't think that works. And also,
0: it was the part of Star Wars that he wanted to inject was just the fact that it's, yeah, like I don't even know what that means. I think yeah. you, if you if you look at the Star Wars trilogy in in one way, uh, yeah, uh, to use an Obi Wanism, uh, from a certain point of view, if you look at the Star Wars films, yep. they are a sequence a, a series of disconnected action sequences connected by a little bit of story. <laughs> Yeah. Extended action sequences. Yeah, you could go through all of them, even the prequels. Yeah, and it's almost like that's what he wanted to put into it. Right. Big action, prolonged action scenes, connected by a little bit of story,
1: and just po- kind of populated with Star Trek characters.
0: Yes. Yeah. And the visual cues and whatnot.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the movie is fine. Like, I think again, it accomplished what it set out to do. But I don't think time—I don't think time has been very kind to it. I think I think it was the kind of Star Trek movie we needed at the time. We I think the French the film franchise needed a sort of kickstart in that sense. But I think I'll always say that I don't think time has been kind to that to that movie. This uh, Star Trek J.J. Abrams. the first Abrams film. Yeah, yeah.
0: I yeah. haven't seen it in a while, but um, yeah. yeah, it's I think it 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 is it probably. Time has probably been as kind to it as it has been to any action film from that
1: year. Well, and I think also because we have... And I think part of the reason I say that is because we have Trek back on TV now. And the franchise has more of a chance to actually play with the ideas that it was originally built on. The films don't get as much of a chance to do that. And I think when this movie came out, that was sort of... Maybe similar to the first Star Trek film, The Motion Picture... It was the only Trek we had, a new Trek at the time that we were able to sort of hold on to and sort of cherish. But, yeah. And we, I don't think we fully maybe realized its flaws. I know some Trek fans did, but... Yeah. Yeah. And it, then when the one that came out after that, Into Darkness, came, I was like... Mm. That was tough. Yeah.
0: Um, but definitely, it, the other thing was that you hadn't had any Trek in a while. And then when you went and you sat down and you watched it...
1: I loved it up. It time. was
0: a very enjoyable action film. It was satisfying. It
1: was... You know, when I came out of the theater watching it, I saw it in the theater like three times, and I was like... I found it to be a very... The term I used was like... It was ridiculously satisfying. Because it was a fun movie to watch. And again... Yeah. It wasn't a retelling of a story we had seen before. This was a story we had never seen in Trek before. We had never seen what it was that brought Kirk, Spock, and the entire crew together. And you know what's funny? that
0: I think about it, I have no idea what the story was other than that.
1: And I think that's... And I think... (laughs) not rewatch it well days. you know why though I think but I think that's I think that's kind of the point right like yes there was an existential threat they had to deal with but yeah I
0: couldn't tell you what it was
1: the stakes were high but that wasn't the point the point yeah. was to I mean, show oh there's
0: a bad guy in a big black ship
1: yes okay which we don't care about it was never that before because you needed to because cre- it's like what were the circumstances that bring them together and they just had to create some sort of ancillary threat to do that but that was not the point
0: oh, wait, then Spock and
1: the of Red the Man. movie okay. that okay. wasn't the that was not the point of the movie the point of the movie was to see this yes. crew but come together that's why I'm like it's okay to not grapple with an idea because you want it's telling a story about how this family
0: right. came but together but here's the brilliant part yeah if you wanted to yeah you could see the film as about Spock and his journey in that the original yeah. Spock yeah so it gave, if you were a fan of the originals, it gave you that to hold on to. Right. It's like, oh, I'm seeing Spock do stuff again. Oh, my God. Right. I never thought I would ever see well, Spock. Well, and that's Nimoy, the
1: other thing. Spock like, we it. hadn't seen Nimue play Spock in 18 yeah. years, so that was, a yeah, that was, know, that was awesome. of course, a, a big deal. But unlike Generations, they utilized a legacy character, and they utilized him well. Like, he was key to this whole yeah, thing. So Kirk it, in Generations. Yeah. Mm. It was not just a cameo. No, and that's what it felt like. And Kirk was a cameo.
0: Right, and Spock was yeah. not. Because we know Nemo would not have done it.
1: If Kirk it was, a was a cameo. It was like, oh, let's just bring... Like, seriously, like, let's just bring any two captains together. But, like, we us just bring them together. But, like, the role that Kirk played in Generations, I would argue, could have been anybody.
0: Yeah. And I do think the smart thing that they realized was that Kirk's great, but the re, I, the real heart of the show is, yeah. the, is Spock. Right. And that's...
1: It's yeah. both, but if you have to pick one. I think one, he's more beloved. Yeah. It's both of them, but again, I think if you had if you had to go with one, it would yeah. have to be Kirk Spock. is
0: enjoyed, Spock is beloved.
1: I mean so. Kirk was not in season two of Star Trek Discovery, was he? <laughs> Kirk was not related to Michael Burnham, was he? No. No. Yeah. Which does make me wonder though.
0: An Iowa farm girl.
1: <laughs> what's <laughs> Which does make me wonder before we, up, before we wrap this up. Where is the Michael Burnham in the uh, Kelvin timeline? Where's the discovery in that timeline?
0: Yeah. Where's the red angel in that timeline? You wouldn't hear about it because it's illegal. Oh yeah, you're right. See, they covered all their bases with that one.
1: Different timeline, so you never know. Um,
0: No, but it was the same up to that point.
1: No, it was the same up until Kirk was born.
0: Oh yeah, you're
1: right. Yeah. So, they each share Captain Archer... Um,
0: okay.
1: remember how excited we were in Star Trek Beyond when they made reference to the Zindi <laughs> yes that
0: was cool. which
1: I thought to myself like after that season ended I'm like we're never going to hear about the Zindi ever again no, he's in Porthos right
0: which one was it they mentioned Porthos
1: the, this one the first one yeah. Scotty does Yeah, Yeah, he mentions Admiral Archer. He says Admiral Archer's prize beagle, and I was like, (laughs) yeah. But the fact that like the fact that they (laughs) mentioned the Zindi, we were well. That whole movie was like a total Valentine to Enterprise, which I I could not believe.
0: And then Discovery, (laughs) we pointed out also that they mentioned
1: Enterprise. Enterprise gets a lot lot of reference. It's a lot of mention. I think it's for being such a a polarizing series. Did you say his
0: reputation has improved? It
1: absolutely has, and I'm going to tell you, and I'll speak to this very quickly. Um. I was using it as an example to point out to the haters who like to hate on Discovery, like, look, because there's one person on Twitter, whose name I won't mention, who I deal with on occasion in comments, who says, well, Enterprise at least held up the, uh, stuck with continuity and kept the legacy going. I'm like, hold on a second. Look, I remember when Enterprise came on, people hated, hated, hated Enterprise at the time. That show was not beloved at the time. Okay? But I'll say this. Time has been kind to every single... Star Trek series. People love Voyager now. Voyager was hated. I remember Voyager was hated <laughs> back yeah. then. I mean we always point to the hate mail that DS nine got in the what we leave oh, behind me. and what we left behind documentary. Time is kind to every Star Trek series, and look, Discovery gets it now because Discovery is just front and center at the moment. Eventually Discovery will become and look, if that show finally gets its shit together in season three from this point on, then we'll just forget about season one and two, right? Yeah. It'll that be like show... any
0: track could be like, yeah, season one and two are a little spotty, but right. that
1: show it. will eventually get its due, right? And, and look, people are going to find issues with Picard, I'm sure.
0: Oh, yeah. Maybe they'll hate it.
1: Right. At first. Well, some uh, have already, some already do. <laughs> that's it's great. not surprising.
0: Yeah. Oh, so. one more thing. One more thing about um, one of my issues with Star Trek 2009, also. Um, uh, I do remember seeing the ads in the trailers. Yep. And the vibe was very much, this isn't your granddad's Star Trek. Rock music, fights, you know. Real punches, not two-fisted punches.
1: They were saying that about Enterprise, too. Yeah. I remember.
0: Oh, with that stupid rock. It was funny, though. By trying to make it... They made it more lame.
1: Well you know, I remember I remember specifically one time with Enterprise, they said they were ever it was like a promo for Captain Archer and they said Meet Kirk's childhood hero. And I'm like, what? Oh god. Like, oh Wait, god. so what
0: year did Enterprise start? Two
1: thousand one.
0: Okay, so in two thousand one, hmm. if you're playing what is essentially a Rod Stewart song, that's yep. not cool, that's not rock, that's nope. not edgy. Nope. That was already twenty years too late. Yep. So it made itself look even more stupid.
1: I think at the time, and I'm only trying to put myself in the, in that, I think, to their credit, they were trying something different because they were just, at this point you had three shows that had this these orchestral visual openings and they were trying to do something different. Yeah,
0: but they, but they I I, I, I outtake.
1: I know, I credit them on that, but at the very least, it, it still did not succeed. No. Visually, the opening was amazing. The song was just not right. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't mind. I think it was I think it was too much of a departure from what
0: See, I didn't mind for. the song, but just if the idea was to we're young, we're hip and with it. Well, I think
1: they also the, the I think also the lyrics of the song really spoke to what they were going for. Yeah. But it just yeah.
0: I still have a warm place in my heart for it. Yeah. Uh yeah. So yeah, so uh, but bringing it back to the Chabon article, right? So Chabon says how like Star Trek, it is its core from the original series, that is the reason that it has continued, and people have fallen in love with it. Whereas Abram said, "Forget the bullshit, we're rocking. Mm. This is re- this is exciting now. Yeah, we got over with all the boringness. Ta-da! Yeah, and that feels like taking a shit
1: on it, kind of. Well, again, I." I try to put myself in the way, like I said earlier, like where the state of the franchise was at the time. And as good as Enterprise's fourth season might have been, I still feel like the franchise was very... had gotten very stale, very formulaic, and it needed some kind of a jumpstart. And I think that, you know, whether you think that movie was successful or not, it at least tried to do something different. And I know that some liked it, some hated it, but... I think it was a necessary change, the change that we needed. Like, Star Trek needed to be cool again, and yeah, I I think it succeeded on that level, but over time, I don't think it's really worked in its favor.
0: Yeah, I I like the movie. Star Trek had to be cool again, but it didn't have to be dumb cool. Right. Rock music. And I love the Beastie Boys. I am a, I'm literally a lifelong Beastie Boys fan, Mm -hmm. places to ill, but that was, uh,
1: when uh, didn't work. At New York Comic Con this year, when they, um, when they, uh, when they had the uh, Star Trek Picard, they had, no, they had the Discovery panel and they had the Picard panel, the staff came out on stage for the panel, to that song, and I was like, oh god, I'm sure fans love this.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's, I'm like, somebody's gonna go like comment and say, see, Kelvin timeline confirmed. It takes place in the Kelvin timeline.
0: <laughs> yeah, well,
1: yeah. Man. Yeah. So, uh, we've definitely gone quite a bit. I know, um, I was surprised. Yeah. Good to,
0: so we're in the bonus content. I have to get to the theater. Body.
1: I have to get to the theater in 17. You do. You minutes.
0: have to get to the theater. You have <laughs> the, to grab your monocle. The theater.
1: The theater. Your, your, the movie your theater.
0: Binoculars and top hat.
1: Yeah, that'll that'll work for me. Um, people with my length of hair wear that.
0: So look at um, Slash from Guns N' Roses for instance.
1: Right. Um, so I think we'll be back probably next month to review the next two animate the next two short tricks that are animated.
0: And my joke was that it looks like, uh, Star Trek, the Pixar,
1: Pixar Star Trek. Pixar Trek. But the I think character it's, design very but I so think cool. that's going to be a taste of what, um, I think it's going to be the animation style for the animated trick that's going to be on Nickelodeon, whatever, that, whatever the hell that's going to end up being. Nickelodeon? Yeah. Well, there's two, there's the lower decks and there's the Nickelodeon one. They're trying to appeal the kids uh, yeah, somehow.
0: Yeah, you gotta cook them.
1: But I think we should definitely do a show where we talk about the animated series, the highly yeah, criminally it's... underrated yes. animated series. It's very cool. Yeah. Very so. cool. Very cool. And maybe a full, <laughs> episode, and maybe and maybe a maybe an actual episode devoted to the three Abrams films. Yeah,
0: and the novelization of the uh, motion picture.
1: God, whenever we get to that.
0: But seriously, aren't the prefaces great?
1: There, I, I, I. I, I began listening to the audio version, and I'm like, I don't know, what am I listening to? I couldn't tell if I'm listening to, like, an author, or yeah. actually Kirk, and then I'm like, wait, so it's an author, so Kirk is the author, but, yeah, it was confusing at first. Yeah, because
0: yeah. it's Kirk commenting on the book. Right. Like, and commenting on how it doesn't the really, book is closer to the real events than the movie, it, like, they both exist. It
1: doesn't really work, though, as an audio book, no. though, because it's, it's confusing yeah. as an audiobook. And the, it's the not second obvious.
0: one, though, is Roddenberry. Writing as if he's in the universe. I don't know. I forget now, but it's great. They're both great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's very.
0: Yeah, like he's writing as if he knows Kurt. It's, like, it
1: it's like it's like it's like there's two levels of meta going on. Yeah. That just that's very. But at least from an audio book perspective, yeah, so it's it's very it's yeah. very confusing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the second one, it's Roddenberry's writing the preface to the book that he wrote, that's supposedly based on the real events that happened.
1: Right. To Kirk. So Roddenberry is a character in the Star Trek universe. Yes. Yeah. And he
0: knows Kirk. Yeah. And his job is to like give the historical account of what happened. And he even says how there are other versions that have become popular that this tries to hold truer to the historical record. So he's essentially saying the movie mm, got a lot of stuff wrong. I'm going to give
1: you the That rest. could maybe answer... Trekkie's complaints about Discovery looking different <laughs> because Roddenberry's documenting the original series and somebody else is documenting the events of Discovery so they don't, they don't look the Maybe same. Maybe the
0: uniforms actually had the weird belt buckles but <laughs> <laughs> he, he got it
1: right. I think we just I think that's a good way, of, that's a good way of explaining it. I think we just solved everything. Um, okay so. Oh but the
0: other thing that's really fun is that
1: given his thoughts about
0: that like I'm in the universe that makes that manual you know the technical manual that I got for the
1: 80s. Yeah.
0: Kind of fun, like it all kind of is of a piece of this pretending that it's all new
1: world. Hmm.
0: All right, we're in um, what we like to call garbage time.
1: We're not in garbage time because we everything we talked about was important. So,
0: okay, thanks for listening.
1: Be back next month.